Today's scripture reading comes from John 15 and John 16. Please follow along in your bulletin. Hear God's word. But when the Helper comes, who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm Rick Hutton, one of the associate pastors here. I'm glad to be with you this morning. As we've just heard God's word read and we're preparing to hear it preached, will you please join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you for the opportunity we have to gather together as your people and to worship you. And Lord, we thank you too for your word. We thank you that it is truth and that it is just as relevant and powerful today as it was when it was first written. And as we look into your word this morning, Lord God, we ask that you would give us ears to hear what you're saying and that you would give us hearts to respond to it. And I do ask, Lord Jesus, that you would please keep me out of your way. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, as you've come into the sanctuary this morning, I'm sure you've noticed the banners that are hanging, the red and gold and and orange banners. And if you've been with us in the previous weeks, you'll remember that during the season of Easter, which we are still currently in, They were white. These banners that we have up now are traditionally used for just one Sunday a year, Pentecost Sunday, because the Holy Spirit, who is the key player in Pentecost, is is equated with fire, and, and these colors capture that to some extent. But we have them up a little bit early because over the next five weeks, we're going to be doing a series on the Holy Spirit. We're going to be doing this so that we can know the Holy Spirit more so that we can more deeply experience God's presence in our daily lives and in the ministry of of this church. And this is what God desires for us, to know him in a deeper and more profound way. And as I was preparing this sermon, I was reminded of something one of my seminary professors said to our class. He said, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were in heaven talking about where they wanted to go on vacation. This was clearly not from Scripture. And he, he goes on to say, God the Father says, you know what, I'm going to go back to the Garden of Eden. I want to see where it all began, walk in the cool of the garden, and just enjoy the beauty of creation. God the Son, Jesus said, I'm going to go back to Bethlehem. I want to see where my earthly life began and, and just see some of the old sights. And God the Holy Spirit said, I'm going to go to a Presbyterian church. And God the Father and God the Son look at the Holy Spirit questioningly and say, a Presbyterian church. And the Holy Spirit says, well, of course, I love going places I've never been before. (laughs) We can laugh at that joke, 
But sadly, it's a little bit truer, I think, than we'd like to realize. And that's not to say that the Holy Spirit is not currently present and working in our midst and in our lives right now. But as some people say about Presbyterians, we're not so much Trinitarian, but we're Binitarian. We forget about the work of the Holy Spirit. And this is not true of just Presbyterians. We can see this across denominations for Christians of of any kind. And Francis Chan even captured this idea and emphasized it with his book from a few years ago entitled Forgotten God, which is all about the Holy Spirit. But why is it that the Holy Spirit seems to be so overlooked? How is it that Christians, at least Christians like us, Western Christians, we forget about the third member of the Trinity? I think some of it is due to the mysterious nature of of the Holy Spirit. We've been influenced by the Enlightenment, rational thinking, and so as we try to think about God and comprehend who he is, getting our minds around the idea of God the Father, we can get there. And the idea of God incarnate Jesus, we also can understand that. But the Spirit is a little less tangible. The Holy Spirit is harder for us to get a grasp on. And I grew up going to the church from the time I was born until right here, right now. And when I was a kid, we learned about the Holy Ghost. And that really confused me as a little kid. I thought about Scooby-Doo. And that really does not bring clarity to who the Holy Spirit is. So over these next five weeks, we're going to be looking at who the Holy Spirit is, what he does. And in today's sermon, that's what we're doing. We're going to be thinking about who is the Holy Spirit. We're going to be looking at what does the Holy Spirit do, and then we're going to talk about how do we know that we have the Holy Spirit. So as we begin to think about who is the Holy Spirit, the first place we need to begin is recognizing that the Holy Spirit is God. He is God. In Matthew 28, 19, Jesus is giving the great commission to his disciples. He's giving them almost his last words right before he ascends into heaven. And he says to them, go and baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, this wasn't Peter or Paul, great men of faith, great men of the church, who said, go and baptize in this way. This was Jesus Christ, God himself, saying, baptize in the name of the Father, and in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit is on the same level as me. The Holy Spirit is God. We also see throughout Scripture that the Holy Spirit does things that only God can do. Verse 8 in our passage today from John 16 says that the Holy Spirit will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. God has those abilities and God alone. And so Jesus says this is what the Spirit will do because the Spirit is God. And even throughout most of church history, the Holy Spirit has been seen and shown to be a full member of the Trinity. One God, one substance, yet three distinct persons. And this idea of the Holy Spirit being a person is also something we need to recognize as we think about who is the Holy Spirit. He is a person. Now, this past Thursday was an important, if somewhat unrecognized, um, holiday for many, many people. And that was because it was May 4th, as in May the 4th be with you. (laughs) Star Wars fans celebrate that day. And as many of you know, I am a big Star Wars fan. My life is probably far more influenced by it than I'd like to admit. But one thing I do have to say is that as I think about the Holy Spirit, as we think about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not the force from Star Wars. He is not some impersonal power that surrounds us, penetrates us, and binds the universe together. 
Now, the Holy Spirit could do those things, absolutely. But the Holy Spirit is not impersonal. Scripture says the Holy Spirit is the power of God. And yes, we could say that that is an impersonal thing. But Scripture also says that the Holy Spirit is the wisdom of God. And when the Bible talks about wisdom, wisdom is never impersonal. And we could even see the personal nature of the Holy Spirit in the way that Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. The Greek word for Holy Spirit is actually the neuter, is neuter, neither masculine nor feminine. And so in the scriptures, you could jump from there and think that using it would be appropriate. But look at what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. He says, he will do this and he will do that. And in fact, all the New Testament writers use the personal pronoun he for the Holy Spirit. Now, this is not to say that the Holy Spirit is a man, but instead that the Holy Spirit is a person whom we can relate to on a personal level. The Holy Spirit can be known by us and knows us because he is a person. And we refer then to the Holy Spirit in the same way that Jesus and Scripture do. The Holy Spirit also does things that people do. He engages in personal activities. Again, Jesus in our passage this morning says that the Holy Spirit will guide us, that he will speak to us. This is what people do to and for one another. And so the Holy Spirit does this to us, does this for us. And he does this on a very personal level because the Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person, a full member of the Trinity, equally God with the Father and the Son, and he interacts with us deeply in personal ways. And because he does that, we can know God. We can have a saving faith in him, and we can live the life that God desires for us to live. Those are three very broad things that the Holy Spirit does when we think about his activity in the world and in our lives. He enables us to understand God's revelation, he leads us to salvation, and he enables us to live the Christian life. And all of this begins with Jesus leaving his disciples and returning to his heavenly Father. Now, many of you know, um, not only am I a Star Wars fan, I'm also a fan of the New York Yankees. I have boldly proclaimed that from the pulpit. And last summer was a little bit of a challenging time for a Yankees fan, as it was pretty evident they were not going to make the playoffs. And so what they decided to do was have a fire sale. They got rid of all of their big stars, got rid of a lot of money, and just said, this season's done, we're going to rebuild and see what happens. The strange thing happened, though, is they got rid of all their big stars, and they began to win. And all of a sudden, they were in the conversation about the playoffs for a lot longer, and people began to say, this is addition by subtraction. Get rid of the the good guys, and all of a sudden, we'll get better. This is not what Jesus is saying when he says, it's to your benefit that I go away. It's not addition by subtraction. It's fulfilling God's purpose and plan from the beginning. Jesus continues God's work by ascending into heaven and sending the Holy Spirit to his people. It was better for Jesus to return because as a human being, Jesus was limited to one place at a time. Now we know after his resurrection, he could move very quickly and he could walk through walls and do things like that. But he was still a person limited to one place at one time. Yet the Holy Spirit is present everywhere among believers. And so to have the Holy Spirit be sent to us is to our advantage. And that happened once Jesus ascended and was sitting at God's right hand. 
And we see in, in chapter 15, verse 26, which Rachel read for us this morning, that Jesus sends the Spirit who proceeds from the Father. But it didn't happen until Jesus was sitting at God's right hand. And because he went there and because he sent the Spirit, his disciples have received the Holy Spirit, and we have as well. And because the Holy Spirit is present and at work, we then can comprehend the revelation of God in Jesus Christ. We can have a saving faith in him. We can live the Christian life. This is what the Holy Spirit does. Reformer Martin Bucer said it like this, Before we believe in God and are inspired by the Holy Spirit, we are unspiritual. And for that reason, we are completely unable to apprehend anything relating to God. So all the wisdom and righteousness which we possess in the absence of the Holy Spirit are the darkness and shadow of death. That's a heavy statement. And it's, it's one that's hard for me to fully grasp, this idea that, that I'm not the one who acts in my receiving Jesus Christ. I've taken students, and, and I myself as a high school student, have gone to many camps, many conferences, where on the what we call the Come to Jesus Night, we are encouraged to make our commitment to Christ, that we would come forward, that we would receive God's great gift of salvation. And that certainly is true. We have to take action, but we never move first. None of us makes that decision on our own to follow God's call. It's always God at work first in our lives by the work of the Holy Spirit. He is revealing himself to us. We wouldn't even know that we need to be saved if it wasn't for the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If it wasn't for the work of the helper showing us our sin and how lost we are and leading us to the cross. That's what Jesus is talking about when he says the helper will convict the world concerning sin. This is a conviction that we need. If we're not convicted, we won't recognize our need for Jesus Christ and the free grace that he gives us. And the sin that all of us need to be convicted of, regardless of where we are in our relationship with God, is that we believe ourselves to be God, and we disregard him. And we live our lives as if we are the God of our lives. We don't obey his commands. We think we know what's best for us, and we don't believe in Jesus Christ. But the Holy Spirit at work in us enables us to see this, to draw us to salvation and to faith in Jesus. And so because of this work, we can have a deep and personal connection and a deep relationship with Jesus. This is true for me. It's true for you. It's true for us. It's true for all Christians. With the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit works out our salvation in our lives. And once we're saved, that is a point. It is done. We are saved. It's a once and for all kind of thing. We're made right with God. But if you're like me, you recognize day in and day out that while we may be saved, my life certainly does not reflect that like I'd like it to. I fall short every single day. I certainly don't live up to the standards that God has set for his followers, that Jesus calls us to live. But I also can take comfort and faith in the fact that the Holy Spirit's at work in me. He's changing me, shaping me, sanctifying me so that my life in all areas of it, will reflect the reality of the salvation that I already have. This is true for me. This is true for you. It's true for anyone and everyone who believes that Jesus Christ is Savior. And it's the Holy Spirit who enables you to live a Christian life in response to that. And living this Christian life, that's not something that we would naturally even want to do. 
In today's society, being, living a Christian life is questioned at best and hated at worst. Today, and, and even for centuries before that, the Christian life seemed to be something that was not natural to us. It goes against our natural tendencies. And you know what? That's true. Living a Christian life does go against our natural tendencies if we were to be left to our own devices. Because our natural desire is to look inward, to live for ourselves. But the Holy Spirit enables us not to live that way. And not only that, the Holy Spirit enables us to desire to live according to God's design. Not because we're good and moral and upright people and that we have the intestinal fortitude to make tough choices in the face of temptation but simply because it's the Holy Spirit who is living within you, who is at work within you, who is at work within us that we can do those things. And so what the Holy Spirit does is he reveals the truth of God to us. He enables us to come to salvation and he empowers us to live the Christian life. And those are signs that you have the Spirit within you. But still, we may be asking a valid and good question. How do we know the Holy Spirit's at work around us? How do we know the Holy Spirit's at work within us? How do I know the Holy Spirit is at work? Well, have you ever felt like you were supposed to be somewhere at a particular time for a particular moment, that it was was more than just mere coincidence that things lined up? That happens to me often at the grocery store. Usually when someone much shorter than me is trying to reach up to the top shelf and, and get something down, I happen to be there. I don't want to over-spiritualize my grocery shopping, but I I do want to have us think about the question, why are we here this morning? Why are you here this morning? Because nobody is here by accident. Whether you've been coming here for a long time, and this is just what you do on Sunday morning, or it's your first time back after a long time away from coming to church, or perhaps this is your first time coming to church ever, no one is here by mistake. And not one of us is here on our own accord. The Holy Spirit has enabled us to be here, has brought us to this place. So if you're feeling convicted about something this morning, that's the Holy Spirit at work. If you've needed comfort today and you've experienced that, it's because the Spirit is working. If you've been intrigued by what you've heard and experienced today, that's also the Holy Spirit. If you're able to worship God through the music, through the prayers, through the liturgy, through the message, It's because the Holy Spirit is working. All of those things are just a few ways that we can see the Spirit at work in our lives. The problem is, on a Sunday morning when we've gathered together like this, it's easier to see the work of the Spirit, I think, than it is when we leave this place and live the rest of our week. This is, again, the story of my everyday life. Just this past Friday, in fact, I was having lunch with a good friend, my accountability partner, who was in town for the day, And we were just catching up, talking about life, and I was sharing with him just how I felt like God's plan for next steps in in my life, even as small as they may be, just weren't very clear. I was having a hard time discerning what God was desiring for me. And, And my friend just said, you know, Rick, you've told me a lot about what's going on in your life, and I see God at work in those things. The Holy Spirit is lining things up for this, for this path for you, for the next phase of your life. Don't discount the work of God just because you can't see it. He's working. And what my friend did for me was reminded me that because I'm a Christian, the Holy Spirit is at work in me. It's not because I'm great, 
but it's because of what God has done bringing me to faith. If you've ever wondered if you have the Holy Spirit within you, a question to ask yourself is, are you a Christian? And if you can answer by the grace of God, yes, I am, then you have the Holy Spirit. Now, if you want to see more proof of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, a good passage to look at is Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It's the fruit of the Spirit, where the Apostle Paul talks about fruit as evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And he talks about one fruit. He uses a singular, t- singular word, fruit, and then goes on to say that it is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness. If you have faith in Christ, your life will show this with this fruit. And I love what Tim Keller says about this passage. He says that when it comes to spiritual growth, the fruit of the Spirit growing in us, it's gradual and inevitable, which means it may be slow, slower than we'd like, slower than the people around us might like, but with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, with the Holy Spirit at work in you, it will happen 100% guarantee. He also says it's internal. It's something that happens from the inside out. We can't force the fruit of the Spirit to grow. Now, are there practices that we can adopt to aid in its growth? Yes. But the growth of the fruit is up to the work of the Spirit in our lives. And then finally, he says, the growth of the fruit of the Spirit is symmetrical, meaning it all grows at the same rate, in the same way, in a uniform way. So if you know somebody who seems to be overflowing with joy, yet is constantly anxious and is, does, is not at peace, that could be that that joy that that person is experiencing is not true fruit of the Spirit. It could even be put on joy. It doesn't mean the fruit of the Spirit is not growing in them. It just may not look like what we think it would. The reality is this. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit within you, and your life will show the fruit of his work and his presence in your life. The Holy Spirit enables us to understand the truth of the gospel. He enables us to understand how much we need Jesus, and he enables us to come to salvation in him. And it's because that he is a personal God, in a personal relationship with all of God's people, that we can know him and experience the fruit that comes from having the Spirit at work in our lives. And even as we come to the table this morning, it's the Spirit who draws us there by Jesus' invitation. He gives us the ability to recognize our sin and our need for the cross. And by the Spirit's work in our lives, we're helped to see how great God's love for us is and how it's shown to us through Jesus. So as people who have the Holy Spirit at work around us and within us, may we live our lives knowing that through Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can live lives that bear fruit. The fruit of the Spirit in our individual lives and the fruit of the gospel in our community and around the world. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have sent your spirit to us. And Holy Spirit, we praise you and thank you that you are among us and you are at work within us. We pray, Lord God, that you would continue to pour your spirit out upon us, that you would give us eyes to see how you are at work in every moment of our lives. Lord, draw us closer to you through the work of your spirit. Help us to be in tune with the work of the spirit. And may we be people who live in step with your Holy Spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.